Thanks for tuning in to the Gist of It podcast. The honest, straight-talking mental health and mindset podcast from Gist Coaching. With your host, Chris Piercy. It's time to get your shit together. Hi there, this is Chris Piercy with the Gist of It podcast and uh, joined this morning by Anissa. How are you this morning? I am fabulous, thanks, Chris. How are you? Yeah, I'm. Uh, I'm not too bad, thank you very much. F- fabulous. That's a that's a strong <laughs> word for early on a Saturday morning. I've been up since stupid o'clock. I didn't really sleep, to be fair. I was like sorting loads of different stuff out, and but in a good way. Not in a I couldn't sleep. Just in a I wasn't tired, so I was doing stuff. So is that, is is early rising a, a normal thing for you? Is that part of a just something that happened to happen today? Uh, no, I have a cat who wants a lot of attention and gets me up at stupid o'clock for food and treats and constantly, yeah, wakes me up. So it's not out of anything else (laughs) other than my cat gets me up. No, no, no planning or anything. No morning routine. Just, just an annoying feline who demands attention. Yes. Yes. And either nips me or like punches my face to get me up that kind of thing so and yet you still love it dearly oh yeah he is the best thing if we're talking about uh well-being and mental health today he is absolutely one of the best things that has probably happened to me to have him because he's just absolutely just a joy to have and he just makes me feel so wanted and loved and it's just so nice to have him there just yeah it's amazing People, people normally talk that way about dogs, so it's oh. in, interesting to hear it. Uh, hear it about. I mean, when do, like, do you, do you genuinely? What's what's his name in? It's Kalal. Kalal, yes. I knew I knew there was a Superman um, reference. Um, so, would you genuinely say that Kalal has helped your mental health? Yeah, definitely. He definitely has because I. So I've never had a pet before, and. Um, I wasn't even massively a cat person before. Um, my ex, who I was with at the time, was really into cats and was like, oh, we should get one. And then as soon as I met him, he just came over to me and was like, just cuddled into me. And just, I don't know, there's just something about having him that it's just, it gives me purpose anyway, that every day, no matter what, I've got to be able to um, provide for him. So I guess in the same way people would have with their children, that there's it gives them something that means that they've got to, I've got to get up, I've got to feed him, I've got to do things. But just that love that he gives me, he like, he is like a dog, but I come home from work, he comes to the door to greet me. And then probably because he wants food and that, but I'll pretend it's because he loves me. And then he he's very clingy, so he'll want cuddles on the sofa, he wants cuddles in bed. He's like, I don't think I'd probably ever be able to have a relationship again because he's just very too clingy, probably, and that will never let anyone else go near me. But um, yeah, it's just it's just that nice, nice feeling. And they always say that cats' purrs are healing, so that just yeah, contentment and stuff that he has. So there's a certain amount of companionship and yeah, yeah. I mean, what you said just then. I don't know, have you seen um, Afterlife, the Ricky Gervais thing on Netflix? No, I haven't. Because yes, yeah, it's, it's all about him being um, suicidal um, after his um, wife has tragically died of cancer. Um, but he's got he's got a dog, and he like kind of. I think I think it might have been the first scene in the first episode. He like goes to open the can of food. And he said, basically says, 
if you were able to open this can yourself, then I would have killed myself already or what words to that effect, because, you know, and it's the fact that he's having to provide for his dog mm. that's actually keeping him going. So, yeah, you know, I realize, I realize it's like a kind of a comedy program. It's, it's a weird thing where it's like one minute's really, really serious. And the next minute it's he's swearing at school children. Uh, so there's this kind of strange crossover, but um there's def- definitely some some truth in that for a lot of people, I guess, for it to bring ball out in a, in a comedy. Yeah, definitely. The points when I've felt my lowest, I always know that he's there and that I'll get that love. And it's just, yeah, it is just nice to have. Yeah, well, that's an interesting corner we've turned <laughs> yeah. immediately, st- immediately <laughs> starting. But no, that's, that's fantastic. And I'm sure that people can relate to that. Um, one of the main reasons that i wanted to get uh, you specifically you know on to have a chat about you know stuff and things is that you've been you know with you know, facebook friends have been for a, a long time um and in the last few years you've been very open about the things that you've been doing and how much better you felt as a result of doing all of these things so um you know, what would you say were the are the main things that have helped you? Well, what was the issues you were having kind of before, and you know, what helps you kind of turn things around? What were the main things that helped? And you know, tell tell us all about it essentially. Okay, so to give a bit of background about um, my mental health struggles, etc. Like, I've kind of always had some sort of anxiety related. Um, things going on when I was a child when I was at school um when I was at junior school I hated confrontation I hated if people were playing up and there was shouting and stuff and I actually used to go when I was like nine or ten I used to go to the toilets and throw up make myself sick um then when I was at secondary school I um got uh, unfortunately know what it's like at school anyway with people just be horrible to each other anyway but I got quite a lot of negative comments about my like um how I looked just people saying how ugly I was that and things like that and just really criticized my parents like I got my hair cut short so I got told that I looked like um a bloke in drag and stuff and when you're like 14 it really sticks with you and I was at quotes to quote um a previous episode of recording Teenagers are dicks. Yeah, um, teenagers <laughs> are dicks, proper dicks. Um, and some of it was from people who are meant to be my friends, which doesn't help as well. So I was in this thing of like feeling absolutely shit about myself and not being able to feel like I could change anything. But the thing I felt I could control was what I ate. So at the same time, I did turn vegetarian, but I also um, stopped eating quite a bit so I just started cutting down but I got to a point where I was only eating probably 500 calories a day I lost um I went from probably the period of like from Easter until the end of summer I lost about three and a half stone and I got to the point where my period stopped I couldn't walk between rooms in the house without having to sit down so I'd start blacking out just going from like one room to the next room so that's how it got to um so I did go uh, luckily like my mum was really supportive and I had an amazing tutor at the time as well 
And so I did go to doctors and I got referred to a dietitian to put on weight. But unfortunately, they didn't actually send me for any um, any sort of um, assessment on why I'd become anorexic. It was just mm. sorting the actual initial thing of like, right, you're underweight, you need to put on weight. But they didn't at any point ask me why. So now I know that there's a lot more support. There's a lot more help. There's amazing things like Beats, which is an eating disorder charity. Um, and I know they would. I'm, I'm pretty sure if someone went now, they would refer them um, count, at least counselling, that kind of thing. I didn't get any of that. So unfortunately, all the issues that I had around body dysmorphia and just being really hating on my appearance and not feeling confident at all just then stuck with me. So that was the main catalyst of my anxiety through then the last 20 years. But well, yeah, that's really not, um, you know, in the, the few conversations and the episodes that we've recorded previously, um, you know, the I've been chatting to people who are, you're, you're about my age, aren't you? How old yeah, I'm 35. You? 35, so you're, you're younger than me. Um, and, you know, I spoke to another guy who's 35 um, and someone who's in the late, a couple of people in the late 20s. And it's an ongoing theme that just mental health, particularly at school just wasn't a thing you know it wasn't wasn't spoken about you know perhaps you'd hear a classroom story about someone or something or other but it's not like the doctors would speak about or anything so yeah and it it seems insane to me that you could be you know having get well I guess it is is anorexia right and I'm not yeah yeah. To, to, to have anorexia to be suffering from it that badly that you can't even walk between rooms and it's like it's not like you're stupid and you don't know that mm. you need to eat more mm. you know it's not it's, it's so it seems mental to me that they've not gone perhaps this person needs some education on the brain side of things and the mm. cause because they're not stupid they know they need more calories in their system is it yeah. so yeah, but yeah. yeah like like you said you know with beats and things like that there's there are seems as though there's better support out there now so that's that's good but it just mm. seemed that pre- previous generations have perhaps been uh, failed quite catastrophically not saying that it would have been a quick fix if I'd have had some intervention no. then but it would have been the sort of thing that I wouldn't have worried about some of the stuff that I have I wouldn't have I used to you know often especially if I was like in a bit of a vulnerable state like feeling ill tired that kind of thing I would instantly just be paranoid that people would be, if they looked at me, it would be in a negative way. It wasn't that they were, I could, it couldn't possibly have been that someone would be like, oh, that she's attractive, or even just not care <laughs> about mm. it. It would just be, I'd instantly be like, oh, they must be thinking I look like shit or I'm repulsive or whatever. And uh, so, yeah, but it would have probably wouldn't have been as bad if I, if someone had just talked to me, talked me through sort of, help challenge some of the negative t- thoughts that I had I think mm. it probably would have helped but but so, it's all it's all you know what can you do now like you know I've just got work yeah, on it absolutely. now and... it's just uh you know put, putting the past up to um, holding it to rights but uh, mm. yeah um but at, at the time were you aware it was more of a mental thing were you aware that you um, did do you remember thinking oh this is a mental problem that I've got or do you or was it a no. case of I'm hideous, so I'm not going to eat? Um, yeah, I think to be fair, and also though it was that thing of with the whole 
losing weight. At first, it was that I sort of stopped eating some as much and then lost weight. And then you obviously get the, oh, you look great. You know, like people doing that. Oh, you look fat. And then your head goes stupidly, even despite how intelligent I might be. It goes, well, if I look that good now. Logically. More, logically. <laughs> Finally, I lost more, all I'd look, my weight. I'd be perfect. Be, I'd be, yeah, be better. <laughs> so it kind of half of that, and then it's that fear of then it's that tricky thing when you are in a cycle of something like that. You know that you don't want to get skinnier, but it's that fear of going the other way of like once you've trapped in a control thing because that's the thing. It's like when you're controlling the amount you intake, you get so fixated on that that the thought of then adding in, you think, oh, that will just be, I'll go back to where I was before. Not that obviously as a teenager, I wasn't big or anything. I was probably a little bit chubby, but I wasn't big. But you just sort mm. of have that thing of going back. If I back eat two slices way. of bread, I'll instantly be obese yeah. and be a right chubber. Yeah. Um, and yeah, just, yeah, can... that's how it, it's that fear of being out of control again. Which not that I was in control particularly, I obviously, but it just in your head you think you are. Yeah, I guess you know without wanting to put you know words in your mouth, it, almost as if it seems like it's a, a very black and white thing that with what you're eating, you're either losing weight or you're gaining mm. weight. And if you're gaining yeah. weight, then you're going to go off to you know infinity. Um, mm. You know, and whereas you know that if you eat what you're eating at the moment, you're not going to get bigger. Yeah, yeah, yeah inverted commas being big is the worst thing that could possibly happen because mm. then all the other bad horrible comments will come back with it well and that's the thing none of the comments I got was about my weight ironically and none of it was it was but it was just an offshoot that because it was but I think because it wasn't and it was just generally people telling me that I was ugly and things that I felt like that I couldn't change that because at the time I would have thought oh I'm not old enough to have plastic surgery not that I would ever have plastic surgery but at the time mm. that's what I was thinking so I was like the only thing I can change is my weight that's something I can control so yeah that's why I went down that route yeah and I, and I don't think that's at all uncommon not just with eating disorders but with mm. you know a, a whole bunch of things you go right what all this horrible stuff I think what can I control and mm. you know these all these different you know painful coping mechanisms that people fall down mm into so that's a pretty solid background of understanding you know where you're at with things and what you know how you felt mm. how how did the turnaround change or was, was there things that you tried initially which didn't work for you because it seems it, it seems to me and like call me out on this if I'm completely wrong it mm. seems from my outward perspective as if the real work that you've done and the real success you've had has been in the last kind of five years something like that mm -hmm. yeah probably last few years like definitely the last um two years like I've properly been like really good so just as a quick another background so then about probably about eight years ago maybe a bit longer I um I think still bubbling way had always been anxiety but then I got to a point where I had like a little bit of sort of not a breakdown but it just got too out of control and I couldn't cope and I was getting really upset all the time I was having a lot of anxiety attacks so I went to doctors and got put on um antidepressants and I also went and did um CBT and mm -hmm. at the time it did help um but then I 
started at the um doing some of the things when I was at work to challenge some of the and got a little bit of teasing because I was in a department with a lot of men older men so they just would tease me on like is it a good day or a bad day and I just like so I stopped doing it um which probably didn't help that's so shit I know I can't like I mean it's just it's I think it's another generation thing of just not understanding and not appreciating it so yeah which is a shame because I was really on it and then um yeah that put me off so I stopped doing it all the time um but then so I but then I never had bar after probably six months I didn't then ever have a review on my um medication or anything so I was taking the same thing all the time and I I feel like I used it as a bit of a like almost like just putting a band-aid on something that I was like well I'm taking a tablet so this is as good as I'm ever going to feel and not ever really sort of looking into what why I was feeling how I was or anything like that and then just disclaimer this is not what I recommend doing for anyone okay. always do this with a medical professional advice yeah about a year and a year and a half ago maybe longer um moved um I moved and I in the move lost my tablets and had also picked up my prescription repeat prescription and lost that so I went cold turkey off them, which wasn't the best scenario. So again, yeah. would never recommend anyone does that. But coming off them meant that it made me really like not use them as like a just a crux of right. That's there. That's what I'm doing. So it actually made me look at what I was doing and why I was um, what was behind my anxiety and some things. If that makes sense. Yeah, I think that. You know, yeah, absolutely. All, all medication changes should be discussed with your GP. Yes. As do we not always... ever do it just like yes. how I did. But yeah, I, I get what you're saying entirely. Is that you know what what you're feeling once you're on any sort of medication isn't reality to mm. a certain degree. It's kind of saying, right, this is what you feel like on the pills. So you find out what you're actually like without the pills. Yeah. Um, and then you go, right, well, this is what I'm actually working with. It's like um, almost having a blindfold taken off and going, oh, what, what is actually what some, yeah. some glasses taken off? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think I've always I've been on antidepressants before mm -hmm. and they I was on sertraline, I believe. That's what I took. Yeah, and I I found for me personally that it made me very flat. But I have heard of people having you know good good results on yeah. it. Um, Everything's different for individuals. It works for people. It did work at the when I first was on it. It did help because I think I needed that like just sort of um, level you out of it. Yeah, and I think I needed that. But I think as I went on, it just sort of I didn't realise that I hadn't sort of I wasn't having experiencing like variation in emotion yeah. so then coming up so like I say I, it's not what I would recommend to do but having gone through that it meant that then I sort of went well actually if this is what I can feel like then like let's look at what is the causes behind so then I worked more on things like exercise and my like sort of physical health along with my mental health and then sort of the positive feelings from that um and uh, then before this year, I was feeling before lockdown, I got to a place where I was a lot better at sort of just challenging my negative thoughts um, and just sort of thinking why, 
why am I feeling like that? And then lockdown happened. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> Yay for lockdown. And so it was the worst time for recent times for how I felt. But in the end, it's been the most positive thing because it's made me, it's kind of flicked a switch of like, right, I can't feel like that. I need to feel, I want to feel like this in terms of that the start of lockdown, again, I felt out of control. So I did lose a bit of weight at the beginning of lockdown, which was just through not eating as much again and doing that. that. Was that a conscious decision or was it something that kind of just happens that I whenever I feel crap if I'm having a bad day or that I just don't feel like eating but when that's the when that's a worry is when it goes on longer if that makes sense so when it's a continual thing um so I did lose some weight um and in my head I thought oh this is fine because I'm not a very sociable person I'm fine not seeing people I sort of realised over lot that actually I do like seeing people and that I it so it wasn't good for me because my not seeing people being worried about it because I'm currently living with my mum who's um who was shielding so I was par- like worried about giving it to her and catching it so I was being extra extra careful and just with everything um and working from home so I'm in one room all the time so I was having to sleep and work and everything all in the same room it just really triggered my anxieties off and I just couldn't switch it off it just got to the point that I was worrying all the time I couldn't sleep because I was worrying I was worried all day I was worrying about work doesn't help that I I do enjoy my job but working I work in marketing and it's something that's quite people like criticizing and people always feel they can do it better and that it's quite an easy thing to criticise. So on top of already having a job where people can be quite critical anyway, I had, I felt sort of that I wasn't good enough at my job, that I wasn't, like people would hate me, that people would think I was shit all the time. And then I was worrying about, I'd worry about the seal I'd worry about cats that were going missing. The, I was the, worrying... ceiling, the ceiling that was swimming around. Yeah, Wayne. I was like, when there's stories about it getting things thrown, I was like, it was like, stressed me out. I was like, do I need to go there? And then there were cats missing. I went to meet my friend one time for a walk and I was early and I started looking for cats that had gone missing. I just like, it just got to a point that I just couldn't not turn it off. And mm. I was getting, I can't explain how... I was getting just frustrated with myself and hating myself that I just couldn't shut my brain up and I was just like I can't do this and then I had two weeks off work in a row and I felt so much better and I realized was that that planned or was that you know yeah just tired yeah just annual leave and I felt like so much better that I was like um that yeah I just felt like more relaxed and calm and I realized how much stressed I was getting about work luckily just went right I'll get a sort I want to feel better and I just want to feel more me like I think that's what one of the painful things about mental health is that when you get when it's when you're in a situation where it feels really bad and you've got this con- constant worry 
or constant thoughts about harming yourself or just feeling really low all the time mm. is that you just feel alienated from yourself you're like well yes. this this isn't who I am you mm. kind of I think we all have this self-image that I'm this person and you have a kind of list of core values about yourself and about things that you like and about things that you mm. dislike and things that you kind of that resonate with you and I think that when your mental health gets particularly bad it's almost like you're looking at that version of yourself and you're like that isn't me mm. I, I I know how I feel and that's not how mm. I don't relate with that and all you'd want to do is desperately get back to being that version of yourself over there that you kind of like that you mm. um you, you relate to more and it can can feel very um feel very alarming and it can feel very like, like disconcerting because I, I don't and then because in some cases particularly if you haven't had help in the past you don't actually know the pathway to get back to mm-hmm. feeling like yourself again so yeah that's pretty tough but I think um you know from what you've what you've said about that whole lockdown experience for you is that if you are having a single room existence where it's where you entertain yourself it's where you sleep and it's where you you know and it's where you work you know it's basically like cabin fever and there's no there's no there's no escape from it and then I think that what a lot of people found as well is that they lose track of what day it is Mm. because you know there's no you know there's there's no variety in it you know and it's variety being the spice of life but you know if you're just doing the same thing over and over and over again you know it's going to be pretty obvious that your mental health is going to suffer from it you know Uh, yeah and just that it is really tricky when you that and I was being trapped with my mum more like I love my mum but just when you're around the same person all the time doesn't matter who it is doesn't help and I missed out as well that I'm mass so lucky that I've got the most amazing manager at work and we got on so well and she's always been supportive I've always been really honest with her like if I was having a bad day I'd tell her like she's always just been really good and not having that there every day at work was really hard not having someone who you could just be like this is this and just sort of bounce it off and things it's like it's it was hard to not have that so um that definitely made a difference but yeah so how did you how did you turn the corner then because you, you know you've done all this work previously to help yourself mm-hmm. out and then lockdown kind of dragged you back to this place that probably felt a bit painfully familiar so how did you how did you start uh, turning the corner for yourself again so I just kind of I went back and did some of the sort of um things from like CBT of just like appreciating what you have um what's good like my like doing things like so I would when with work with stress I'd like write down um things that if I thought someone thinks I shit I was like no I work hard I've done this right you know and just write writing things down and just trying to just change the negative thoughts into like positive ones um and just doing that we've not I've not dived into you know CBT's been mentioned Mm. a few times on this podcast so far uh do you mind going through your kind of process for that just because I think it might be something that would be interesting for people to hear about so let's what what would be like a typical um negative thought that you might pop into your head 
Um, so um, if it was one, say work, it would be that like the the because it's that whole catastrophizing thing. It would be like yeah. I'm gonna get sacked. I'm gonna <laughs> they are gonna sack me, and then and it would be like trying to go back for, through and going, well, why why would they? Because I work hard. I'm good at what I do. I um there's no reason that they um would they would and even just down to the things of they would have to tell you and give you warnings before they do these sort of things like it because your brain just jumps to the worst possible scenario so it's just going through that and just writing them down but also alongside that I was um picking out the like I say the qualities I'd have and things I'm good at and just the positive things that were going on so um it might be just being appreciative of things like having Cal, having um, family, having friends who care, having a job. Because especially at the time, at the moment, things like having a job, having a house, those sort of things are something not to just take for granted. Yeah, absolutely. It's um, it's a very, very, very true time. I'm just going to go back to that thing. So, yeah, the, the whole idea with CBT and this kind of like talking, I'm not going to teach you to suck eggs kind of speaking to the listeners more <laughs> is to the, the basis of it is to take thoughts that you're having which you know you're in in this case is you know oh god i'm gonna get sacked and actually kind of taking that thought and kind of holding it up to the light and kind of saying okay well let's examine this let's see how much truth is actually within this kind of catastrophic statement that i'm making to myself and just basic to what I kind of refer to it as logicking it to death and actually going right okay let's sort out what's my opinion and what's actually truth um you know and what's subjective and what's not and let's pick apart using truth only and find out how true this thought actually is so like you just did a second ago with regards to being sacked you know just from an HR point of view you know there is a process that, that has to be gone through in order to sack someone in the first place it's not exactly mm. if you're going to be sat working at your desk you know and your manager's going to come along you um pack your things up then you're off and you're, just, you're out the door two minutes later um and yeah plus all the other things you've said about you know how you do get good feedback at work how you do know that you work hard how you do know that you're an asset to the team um yeah and that's that, that's that's basically how the whole the whole thing works it's taking a negative thought recognizing that it is just a thought as well and then using truth and logic to rip it to pieces and then at that point it more or less ceases to exist i mean is that that's kind of how i kind of describe it to people is that yeah. does that resonate with you or do that you kind does, of see it in a different way no no no. that is how it works and originally like and when like i first was doing it after lo- well during lockdown it would be a thing that I'd write down. I'd have to write it down to physically see it. But what I'd also find is if I was writing it down, then a couple of days later, I'd rip it up because then I felt like, well, that's gone. That's done. So that whole process, the process of having written it down, dealing with it and then moving it away was quite good. Whereas moving on now, I can just do it by just literally sitting there like and just going, all right, okay, that's fine. And then like, but just working it out in my head. But before it's hard when you are in that kind of cycle of worrying and anxiety and the problem with generalized anxiety is 
like I say, what happened during lockdown is that as soon as you stop worrying about one thing, you start about the next and it's just a cycle. So you kind of need to visually write it so that you can properly look at it and analyse it and go back to it. Um, but yeah, so now I can just kind of challenge it. And it's thing is, I'm never not going to have negative thoughts. And the thing is, it's normal for people to have fears and worries. It's like, I, I am not I, I well I hope I am I think I am a genuinely nice and caring person and I do I think that's fair and so I'm always going to worry about things but it's the is it a legitimate worry is it something that um and is it something that I should worry about long term so you know you get that thing sometimes you get that little moment of you see someone online is out off with someone you go oh they didn't invite me but I just go oh well there's it's fine because I'm doing that next week with them or there's something else or there's these other reasons why they didn't it's not that it's to do with me and that's one of the big things for me is going like it's actually not my problem like I like I would internalize I used to internalize everything so anytime anyone in relationships friendships whatever was shit to me I would assume it was my fault and I would take it on and now I'm going that's not my fault it's there you know sometimes or if someone's had they might if they're off with you it might be they're having a bad day so I go it's probably not me and it's trying to go and change it and go well actually that's it might have no um reasoning between behind me as a person it might be totally external things that are affecting that situation yeah I mean I think one of the it's interesting you should bring that up um was reading something recently about and this this sounds brutally harsh like in some ways but in those cases where like for instance oh two of your best friends have gone and done something and not invited you or whatever mm. um to think of it's like yeah you're not the center of the universe mm. you're like not and it it sounds really really harsh but it's the idea behind it is to make make you realize that yeah you don't think about everyone else all the time mm. just as everyone else doesn't think about you all the time no one mm. you're not the center of the universe yeah. just like everyone else isn't as well so it's the it's same the... I can apply that to when I used to be um, paranoid about people thinking negative things when they'd walk past me or anything it's like they probably don't even notice I'm there it's not I might not be they're in their own headspace of things so the fact I used to worry that every person would be thinking something negative about me it's just 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 silly because they're probably not it's not I'm not even entering into their thoughts at all so it's not even the fact that yeah the the chances are they didn't have a thought at all yeah Um, definitely which, which is which is entirely valid you know if you if you had a strong thought about every single person that you walk past you'd go to London and your head would instantly explode <laughs> because your brain your brain capacity wouldn't handle it you know it's yeah. um you know m- most most of the time people are just in their own headspace you know and then any anything they do uh think of uh a is their opinion and b doesn't matter anyway so it's um yeah it's um <clears throat> it's crazy how much we allow ourselves or our brains want us to receive this validation you know not it's like well that random 65 year old man i just walked past i hope he likes me who gives a shit yeah, <laughs> yeah that's one of my big problems <clears throat> was like always worrying about what other people thought of me and 
So the other thing I realised um, in the last few months is that I was, I've lived a lot of my life, yeah, worrying about what other people think and not necessarily doing things because I want to do them. I've lived trying to please everybody, like, and you can't please everyone. Mm. And but I tried, I tried to do everything that I felt everybody else wanted me to do, and so now I'm like, no, I'm gonna, I'm happy with the person I am. I like what I like I do what I do and if that's not what other people like then that's fine they're probably not someone if someone doesn't like me as a person then that's probably not somebody I want to like know like be friends with or anything anyway so yeah that's where I'm sort of at at the moment and just trying to enjoy enjoy the feeling I'm having at the moment of contentment and just genuinely being happy and happy for no reason other than just for being me because again like you get those moments of like a new relationship or moving somewhere or something else exciting new job and you have that buzz and that you try and chase but then that dies down and things like that but actually I'm genuinely just happy because I'm happy which is nice that and that's that's a pretty alien feeling for a yeah. lot of people so you know if it you know it was really interesting watching you talking about it then because your your face was just kind of lit up in this kind of kind of almost awe i would say and and that's testament to to yourself really because it's not you're the only one that's got yourself to that point so you know hats off hats off to you for getting yourself there and that's okay. you know, that's that's how people that's how people inverted commas should be that d- just being happy for for wh- whatever their lot is because yeah. the other option is being a grumpy whingy bitch yeah. and <laughs> i mean lo- like i said lockdown was shit yeah. but i'm kind of glad because it's pushed me to really get to where i am now so i can't I can't like knock it you know I you know, it's just one of those things these things happen but sometimes you've got to have those moments of feeling really low and just I hated myself to then go well I don't want to feel like this all the time I, to then try and try not feel like that yeah I think often you know things that happen within our lives we it can be the obvious thing to do when something is like definitely awful like lockdown is to allow it to be just awful to us um and take some kind of mental strength and it takes some you know reflection on it to you know work out exactly what it is that lockdown or whatever it might be can mean to you because i wrote a blog about this a while ago about uh, acceptance and the importance of it because you know whatever is happening to you is happening to you and whether you're sad about it or happy about it the same thing's still going to be happening to you mm-hmm. and you know recognizing the you know the opportunities in any obstacle that kind of puts mm-hmm. is put in front of you is is a hell of a skill and something that i've worked ridiculously hard on um myself uh really good book um the obstacle is the way by ryan holiday for anyone who's interested in um reading about kind of the history of this kind of on a stoic basis 
as well as kind of working on itself. Um, quick story: uh, Thomas Edison, the inventor, um, his he had, a, he had a factory which you know, caught fire, and it was very quickly obvious that they weren't going to be able to put out the fire. And you know, it was his son ran to him and said, "Oh my God, Dad, this is awful! Your factory is on fire." And he said, "Go and fetch your mum and." Yeah, to bring all of our friends and come here because this is the best fire they'll ever see. Um, and then went on and I think the ne- next day started making plans for rebuilding a, a new factory and said, well, it will, it, this will stop me from getting bored. Yeah, so yeah. even if your factory's burning down with the right mindset, there's, mm. a, there's good to come out of it. So mm. hashtag ramble. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, I think like yeah, it's just it's just embracing when you do feel good as well. And I'm not I'm not in any doubt that this is like always going to be how I feel. I may have things that come along that like challenge me again. Um, but I just hopefully I'm better prepared for it if it does. Um, and then be- and I'm just embracing how I feel and that I'm excited about like actually doing things I want to do there's loads of stuff that I've wanted to do for the last 20 odd years and I'm just like oh I'm actually gonna do them I'm gonna take those opportunities and do it so what was the only thing standing in the way of doing these things that you want to do yourself yeah basically because I would I just would every time I thought about doing something I'd be like no one would want me to do that or I'm not good enough to do that and then it's like but I just I'm at the point where I'm like well I'm just going to give it a go if it doesn't if it doesn't work it doesn't work it's I'm not going to lose anything from it so yeah yeah and do you think that a large part of you reaching that point is been your ability to let go of other people's opinions yes definitely um definitely not worrying about what other people think and not if I've got to ask and not being afraid to ask for people for help as well, because that's like a big thing. Or just admitting, because I'm quite, I normally would like be like, oh, I want to do this or do something. And I'd not tell anyone. And then I'd, and then, so then I just only have myself to be able to like, <laughs> chat, to tell myself not to do it. And then, uh, so I wouldn't do it. Um, whereas now, like, I'm like, no, I'm going to be like, oh, I'm doing this, 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 you know, and just tell people things I'm doing. And then that's kind of, yeah. Okay, so throughout your mental health issues, Mm. were you getting, did you have a support network around you or were you mostly doing it by yourself, do you feel? I I did have, like, I could, I did talk to people, like my parents and um, I've got a few, I'm lucky that I've got a few good friends who I've had for a long while who also have, um, their own experiences etc so I would I would um talk to people about it and I was able to to a point but it's that thing of I wouldn't want to burden people which is another point of the trying to please people trying to not feeling like whether I'd always be like well no one would want to hear about my problems and I overcompensated so actually there's a lot of people who recently who when I do to say I've had like mental health problems I'm actually surprised I've I have because to some people at work I just come across as this really confident like almost character type thing because I feel like I was a bit of a 
sort of caricature of myself at points because I'd just play a role that I thought people would want me to be. So be like the crazy hair and the it's kind of like a bit of a deflection and stuff. And so I just, yeah, played this role. So people think I'm really confident because I've got loads of tattoos and I had like crazy hair and I'd wear like cool things. And I'm like, no, it's just like a real like shield barrier thing. Haha, it was a trick. Yeah. Uh, I actually <laughs> I feel like you. shit about myself. Yeah. Tricked you. I fooled you all. <laughs> oh, it's, uh, it's, it's almost horrible in a way that we feel like we can't just be uh, Mm. us ourselves because of this you know this, this worry about what other people are gonna think i mean with regards to that you know because that seems like it was perhaps one of the biggest obstacles you had to overcome was it mostly the cbt that helped you with that or were there other things other factors in helping you like let go of what other people thought um it's tricky to say because i feel like a like they're obviously the things I'd learned from the CBT helped um I don't yeah I don't know the using those tools really did help me I think just and just being I think just honest what I what I did find this time was during lockdown I was very open and honest with people so there was one week so I'd not that two weeks I had off I had another week before which I just spent the whole week pretty much crying and things but and when I met even when I met up with people and but I was very open about how I was feeling and that I wasn't coping well and that I would tell people that I was like how I was feeling so that did help well it sounds as if and you know I think this is a nice way to kind of wrap things up in a way it sounds as if you were kind of at the point where most people would love to be within their mental health journeys where you actually feel like you have the tools at your disposal mm -hmm. to mm. if situation a comes out then you do you have mm. solution x for that you know if b comes up you have y and you know you have this and that's why i talk within um the therapy sessions that I did um, and still do is that you, and you know, pr previously when I did it and again now is that talking about having a mental toolkit uh, where you have each different tool for each different thing that come out. Like, you know, just, just like you'd have a toolbox if you were doing DIY, you know, you use a screwdriver for some things and use a hammer for others. And because that's the thing I think about therapy is it's not about, I don't even know how much you remember about your you know, your CBT therapist, but it's very it's, you've got to have good rapport with them. But it's not about them fixing you; it's about them teaching you uh, a skill in order for you to help em empower you mm. to be in control of your own mental health issues. And it, it, it seems like that that's where you're at now, really. Yeah. If it is that fair to say? Yeah, definitely. And it's uh, yeah, like you say, it's not like if you go to anything like that it's not a quick fix it's not like they'll just go there you go this is how you should feel and you go oh I feel I feel better it is definitely, yeah it is definitely uh you've got to work at it and that's what I found when I didn't use it when when I first had um uh, CBT sessions and started working things and then I stopped doing it for a while is I did realize that now looking back I should have kept doing it because the not doing it 
didn't help me you know it's something you've got to keep doing and keep refreshing and and even if someone's not I don't think it hurts if someone isn't suffering from any mental health issues just to just have those moments of just going right what what am I grateful that I've got going on and what is what is happening and just doing that and actually the more often you do it the less of a it doesn't become a thing that you do it's like to me now I don't actively think oh I'm I'm challenging my negative thoughts it's just something pops in my head and I go oh and then I just in my head go no actually that's not what that is and I'm not saying it's like a two minute thing but like you know I might just worry about something for like an hour and then then I've I've wrecked it I've reasoned it through in my head and then I'm fine and then I can move on other things though that have helped is that um I just make sure I have better work-life balance and that I take the time so lunch times I go for a walk um I cycle to and from work and just those things just getting that break away really helps and just being able to have that like just having that cycle and all, all I'm focusing on is cycling and going through and actually getting from A to B and actually that helps because I'm not it's a time that I'm not necessarily worrying about everything I'm like focused on a task that I'm doing yeah for sure well thank you so much for joining me this morning it's been fascinating hearing you talking about waffling on (laughs) that's exactly what your job description was this morning to to waffle about stuff so yeah it's been it's been fascinating hearing everything that you've been talking about you know your struggles your successes and how you've kind of got through all of it just to wrap it up for me if you could give one piece of advice um for anyone who may be listening who has um had is going for anything with an eating disorder what would be the advice that you'd you know that you'd give 13 14 year old Anissa that you think that uh that it would be useful for them to hear uh don't just don't um be afraid to like talk to someone about it and that it's not it's not something to be embarrassed about that I wish I'd at the start when I first had the issues and things I wish I had like talked to my mum or whoever about what was going on and not just kept it inside but yeah it's just just to think and like like we've mentioned before things like there are websites like Beat and stuff that you can go to and so if you're not feeling like you can talk to there are people that there's information advice that kind of thing but it's just I think just generally with mental health it's not feeling ashamed of it that's what I'm trying to get to is just being like talking about it yeah I've been through these things but I don't want it to define me that's what I let myself do before is be defined by my anxiety and I don't want to be enjoyed today's episode then give us a rating and hit subscribe head to gistcoaching.co.uk to read blogs get in touch or find out more about working directly with Chris to get your shit together